Hello, mein Freund, and welcome to the first ever Talkin' Banff, the Nightcrawler show. It's the bluest, fuzziest, elfiest podcast there is, and what it does best is tells you about Nightcrawler. I'm your host, Ryan. Today's episode, we are going to kick off a four-part exploration of the 1985 miniseries Nightcrawler. So this was a four-issue series written and drawn by Nightcrawler co-creator Dave Cockrum, and it's one of my all-time favorite X-Men stories, so I'm super excited to jump into this one. All right, so why are we covering Nightcrawler? Well, first of all, it's no secret that Nightcrawler is one of, if not my favorite, X-Man. Now, that's not to say that Wolverine isn't my favorite, because, well, Wolverine is my favorite Marvel character. Like, there is no character in Marvel that I enjoy reading about more than Wolverine. I, I love Wolverine. I love collecting Wolverine stuff. I just, like, he's awesome. I love the character. It's obvious. I've done, you know, a hundred episodes, give or take, on that character. Because, in my opinion, there's no one better in Marvel. But when it comes to X-Men as a team, I feel like you can leave Wolverine off because Wolverine can exist on his own. Wolverine can be a solo hero. He can be an Avenger. He can be... a, a reserve fantastic four member he can be on the midnight suns i mean you can put him anywhere you want and it makes sense with most of the other x-men characters they're not their sole identity but their driving force is the fact that they are on this mutant team and i feel like no other character embodies what the x-men should be or could be better than nightcrawler he's awesome he can teleport He's a swashbuckling sword fiend. I mean, he's he's just so cool. I love Nightcrawler. He looks so interesting. Yeah, I, I've, I've been a big fan of Nightcrawler since day one, and uh, I've wanted to cover this series for a long time. And right after Comic-Con back in July, Funko, uh, the, the maker of Funko Pop, re, uh, they released the, the first images of their Nightcrawler Funko. And I was, <laughs> I was super excited. I've been waiting for a proper Nightcrawler for years. Um, ever since they started coming out with the X-Men lines with that first uh, like six pop lineup of, of Cyclops and Xavier and, and Storm and Colossus and Magneto and Mystique, I've been waiting for them to get to Nightcrawler. And there are certain characters that have like three or four or five different Funko Pops already that are X-Men And yet there are other X-Men that don't even have one. And it's like, hello, Nightcrawler. Like, this is the biggest, most glaring hole you have. You've got, like, everybody, every other major character, and yet we don't have a Nightcrawler. And so they they release some images, and it's it's Nightcrawler. And a lot of people, when this image was released, were like, whoa, what's the deal? What what is this Nightcrawler? Why does he have... Like, we know that he likes swords, but why does he have one? And we know that he likes to play dress up in the danger room and stuff like data or data, like data in the hollow deck, like playing pirates. But why does the, the Funko have the like the red bandana thing tied around his forehead? Well, it's because it's Nightcrawler from the 1985 Nightcrawler miniseries, which is awesome because it's the best Nightcrawler story up to this point. Uh 10 years of Nightcrawler as a member of the X-Men and, and the, the 85 mini that, that Dave Cockrum wrote and drew is like the definitive Nightcrawler story of the time. It's it's probably still to this day one of the most important Nightcrawler stories and it's a really iconic look for him. So yeah, I'm super excited that, uh, that they released that Funko. It actually went up for sale on Walgreens. It's a Walgreens exclusive. So for all of my listeners who are Funko collectors, if you haven't grabbed your Nightcrawler, head on to Walgreens. Hopefully they're not sold out uh, and and grab yours. Mine at the time that I'm recording this, like mine is actually out for delivery. So hopefully 
by the time you all are listening to this episode, if you want to see what the Nightcrawler Funko looks like, hop into the Discord. Um, I'll have some pictures posted in the Funko Pop section. So, yeah, check that out. But either way, uh, otherwise, stay tuned to this episode because we are going to dive in to this four-part series with uh, with issue one. So we're going to do all through the month of October. We're going to do one issue per episode uh, of this four-issue mini. Uh, I, Another reason why I had the idea to do this was uh, Oktoberfest. So Oktoberfest runs from like the middle of September until like the first Sunday in uh, October in in Germany. And we have Oktoberfests in like all of our major cities here in the U.S. like that run around that same time. And I was like, oh, yeah, like it's this big German celebration. Like, so obviously I've got Germany on the brain and I'm thinking, all right, Nightcrawler, like the most important German character and in, in perhaps, well, maybe not the most important, but my favorite German character in all of Marvel. Um, obviously there are some other characters that, that might fall into that, but yeah, Nightcrawler is my dude. And I was like, all right, what better time to do this? So I was actually going to do uh, two issues each over like the two weeks that we were having Oktoberfest, but I wasn't quite ready. And so I, I moved it into ironically into the month of October. Uh, but yeah, so over the next four Wednesdays, this one included, we will be getting a new breakdown of uh, of an issue of the Nightcrawler miniseries. So I think without further ado, we we should just jump right in. So this is the one where on the cover, we've got Nightcrawler on a pirate ship. Like I said, he's got his red bandana thing tied around his forehead. He's got his uh, you know, pirate sword and everything, and he's like swinging around on uh, on some ropes on what is clearly the deck of a pirate ship and there's these like orange alien elf looking uh, pirates who are all in battle with with nightcrawler and it says fabulous first issue um, so yeah this is uh, our very first issue like i said this issue was written and drawn uh, and inked by dave cockrum as are the remaining three this is a, a pure work of love from Dave Cockrum, who, as I mentioned before, is the co-creator of Nightcrawler. So before Dave Cockrum got the gig drawing X-Men, where he got to draw giant size X-Men alongside uh, writer Len Wein, and then, of course, partnered up with Chris Claremont for the first 15 or so issues of the Claremont run. Uh, before all of that, Dave Cockrum was working over at DC as a penciler over there. He was working on The Outsiders. He was working on Legion of Superheroes. And he came up with uh, a couple of designs for about four or five different characters that were never picked up. You know, these characters weren't chosen to be introduced in either The Outsiders or uh, Legion of Superheroes. And so he just kind of kept them in his back pocket. And when he came over to Marvel and they were looking to create this new, uh, you know, the all new, all different international team of X-Men. Dave Cockrum's like, Hey, here's a bunch of ideas that I have. Like, why don't we use some of these? And uh, one of those ideas that was chosen for the new X-Men series was Nightcrawler. And so Nightcrawler had always been a big favorite of Dave Cockrum. He loved drawing Nightcrawler. It's, it's pretty well known that uh, during those first 15 issues that he was teamed up with Chris Claremont, there was a lot of focus on characters like Cyclops, uh, Jean Grey, uh, but there was a lot of focus on characters like Nightcrawler and Storm. Uh, Storm was another character who originally was drawn by Dave Cockrum and offered up for the Outsiders and or Legion of Superheroes, but she was going by a different name called Black Cat. And uh, he also had another character that was called Tempest who had weather powers. And so he took the look of Black Cat and updated it a little bit with some of the aesthetics from Tempest and then took the Tempest powers, the, the weather powers, and they pushed those together. And that's what created Storm. And so uh, Nightcrawler was perhaps the most complete of them. You know, th there wasn't really anything changed. Even the backstory wasn't changed a whole lot from the Nightcrawler that was pitched for the DC books until uh, the Nightcrawler that we got in the X-Men books. And so, yeah, this whole series is just a labor of love to all of the really fun aspects of Nightcrawler's character, that swashbuckling, daring do. You know, the, it's well known that Nightcrawler is a huge Errol Flynn fan because of all of his 
you know, swashbuckling macho stories. Um, and, and a lot of that comes across in these pages. So again, writer, artist, uh, inker, Dave Cockrum, we have colors by Patty. It just says Patty. So I'm not sure. Uh, it's like seal, I guess, like a one name kind of deal. Um, and then we have letters from Jim Novak. And it's actually worth mentioning here as well, that the editor of this series is Anne Nocenti, who is perhaps one of the uh, major unheralded heroes of 1980s X-Men comics. You know, she came in as one of the line editors. She worked very closely with Chris Claremont. There's a reason why a lot of people always say things like, you know, keep your politics out of our X-Men. And then other people shoot back, you know, they clap back. Like there's always been politics in X-Men. And yeah, that's, that's pretty accurate. Um, especially when Anne Nocenti came on as the editor, she didn't shy away from letting Chris Claremont write stories that really looked at society and politics and things like that. Um, and so it, it added an extra edge to the Claremont run, you know, that we got in all of our post days of future past storylines. And I think a big reason for that is Anne Nocenti as line editor on X-Men. So yeah, she's just an unheralded hero of that era. Of course, she is uh, the editor on this series as well. Jim Shooter, editor-in-chief of Marvel Comics at the time. So here we are, Nightcrawler, issue one. And it starts with Nightcrawler in the danger room running a training exercise. I love these kind of cold opens that we would get throughout the years of X-Men where uh, they start off and they're all just training together. And uh, it's usually a good way to introduce a little tension between team members because, you know, things aren't going well in the training or whatever. Uh, it's just a, a great way to uh, to immediately begin the story with some action as well. Kind of draw the reader right in going, oh no, they're training and, and, and it's gone wrong and now someone's in danger, uh, which is exactly how it happens here. We've got this great like one shot page of, of Nightcrawler leaping through the air. There's a bunch of missiles following him. Of course, in the background, in the like danger room control room area, we can see two other characters. It's Kitty Pride and Ilyana Rasputin. Now, this is when, you know, Ilyana was a teenager. She was part of the New Mutants. This is when, like, Kitty and Ilyana were developing their very deep friendship with one another. Um, and so the, the story begins with, like, all of the X-Men are gone, except Nightcrawler and Kitty and Ilyana. They're just hanging out, and so Nightcrawler is, is training. And... You know, Nightcrawlers makes mention of the fact that like, oh man, we've got missiles flying at me. Of course, this happens to be a no teleport training that I've made for myself. So if I use my teleportation, then like I'm cheating and like I'll fail my training. Like I'm, I've designed this training to increase my, my acrobatics or at least to keep them sharp. Cause we all know that Nightcrawler used to be a circus acrobat. So it's not like acrobatics is something that he's not good at, that he needs to improve. Uh, but it's just, it's something that he needs to stay sharp at. And so he puts himself in these situations where he's like, all right, I'm going to put all this, well, danger in this danger room training exercise, but without the ability to teleport, which is like his main thing. So he has to rely on himself. He has to rely on his instincts and his acrobatics to get out of this situation. Of course, he's not too happy about the missiles uh, and not being able to teleport and all that, but you know, He's pretty cool, so he's going to go with it anyway. Of course, we have Kitty off in the background like, oh, better move it, fuzzy elf. Um, and we cut again to a quick scene in the control room where Kitty and, and Ilyana are talking about how Nightcrawler is a little on the crazy side. Like, why would he program <laughs> this sort of training or ask them to run him through the gamut of training if he's not going to be using his his teleportation? Uh, we can see that Ilyana is wearing like a Michael Jackson shirt because it's 1985. So of course she's a, she's a huge Jacko fan. I don't think he was called that back then, but it is what it is. Uh, and so the two of them are just hanging out in the control room, kind of watching Nightcrawler do his thing and like helping spring some traps and whatever. And of course Lockheed's in there as well. Kitty's little purple dragon that she met. Uh, we get some like really great sequences of Nightcrawler 
like jumping through rings and dodging really fast and doing all kinds of acrobatic stuff, like straight up gymnasium kind of things. And it's not enough to shake the missiles. Like the missiles, they change direction almost instantaneously whenever he does. Like they are homing in, they're gaining on him. They, he's, he even makes uh, mention of the fact that they've gained like two or three seconds on him since their original launch. So they're not too far behind. Um, and then as he's kind of swinging by, he sees um, a guillotine and he's like, all right, this is like my last chance. So he jumps through triggering the guillotine to fall. And as it falls, it collides with all of the missiles and, and they all explode. And so he's able to, uh, to, to get out of the trap using nothing but his instincts and his head. And of course his, his amazing acrobatics. And I like that he jumps through the door, you know, head first. So his tail's hanging out. Uh, and he mentions like when you're born with a tail, you learn to go through doors fast. <laughs> so yeah, it was a successful uh, mission in the danger room. So now he's back in the control room and he's chatting with his friends. Um, and yeah, he's just kind of reiterating, you know, like I, I, I know that teleportation is my thing and it's a permanent thing and all that. Um, he's like, but sometimes that doesn't mean that you can't be without your mutant gifts. In fact, just recently, I was on this mission where like the vanisher had a run in with dark star from Russia and her dark force abilities, her dark force power, like trapped him in this weird teleport limbo where like half of his body was in another dimension. And then he was in and then the other half was like in this regular dimension. And when I touched him, it like it sent us it, it like our powers canceled each other out and it sent us to like the far end of the cosmos all the way to this thing called the well at the center of time, uh, which like they should totally throw the well at the center of time into the multiverse saga of the MCU. Like what a the interesting way to tie some stuff together, but whatever. And he kind of mentions like, yeah, you know, like so I can teleport and do all of these things, but sometimes I'll run into a mission like this where I, I don't have access to my teleportation. And so I need to be in peak physical condition. Like I'm a great athlete. I'm a, I'm a fantastic acrobat, but I'm not going to stay that way if I don't constantly push myself to get better in that category. And, and Kitty's just like blown away. Like, Oh wow. That's, I wouldn't have even thought of that. Like, yeah, you can lose your power and then you, you can't even do anything. Um, but then, of course, you know, her big sci-fi nerd that Kitty is, uh, that is quickly, you know, in one year at the other. And then she just fixates on this concept of the well at the center of time. And she actually starts like programming into the danger room control. Like, oh, I wonder if like we have a record of this thing because I would love to see it. So she starts like just typing away and typing away. And eventually she is able to manifest what she believes is a facsimile of the well at the center of time. So Nightcrawler, Kitty, Ilyana, and Lockheed all go down into the danger room to, to look at this well. And it really just, it's like a, it just looks like a geyser, you know, a geyser of primordial time flow. I don't know. Like I, it just looks like a crater of sorts, you know, and there's like this weird, like reddish yellowish kind of fired thing in the middle. And, and that's pretty much it. But as the trio, well, and, and Lockheed, as I guess as the quadro, I don't know, as the four of them are in the danger room looking at the well at the center of time, this weird green tentacle like shoots up from in the middle of it. And of course, Lockheed is like, oh, hey, you want to fight, huh? So he flies over and he's snarling at it and everything and barking, not really barking. It says narf. So he's narfing at it, I guess. Uh, but the tentacle like reaches out and it grabs Lockheed and it pulls him into this, what we all thought was a simulation. It turns out that like when Kitty plugged it in and, and programmed the danger room to bring us the well at the center of time, she actually somehow manifested the actual well at the center of time and <laughs> something reached through it, grabbed Lockheed, pulled him in. And of course, Nightcrawler, he's like, stay back, kitty, I'll get it. And he like jumps in and he's going to, to reach for Lockheed to teleport him to safety. But unfortunately, like when he grabs 
Lockheed, he grabs the tentacle with the other hand and like almost immediately he is pulled into the well himself. And then the well collapses in on itself and just like vanishes in a blip, just like blink gone. And, and like Kitty and Ileana are like, Oh my gosh, like what just happened? Um, it's crazy. And we turn the page and we get this like really great, uh, again, like a, a one page panel, just this splash page of like this yellowish sky where like down below, we can see like some mountaintops peeking through some like pinkish clouds. It's really cool. The colors. And we have this like giant green kind of squid creature. One of them's got like a tentacle wrapped around Lockheed and the like another tentacle is wrapped around Nightcrawler. He's yelling some stuff in German that I'm not going to attempt to pronounce because I'll butcher it and I don't want to. Uh, and he, he realizes that he's like he's on top of this weird like fat squid thing that like flies around in the sky. And so luckily for him with his line of sight teleportation, he's able to teleport out of the grasp of the tentacles up onto, I guess, the back of this squid creature. And he's just up there and he's looking around. He's, he's mentioning that like, he can't see the ground. All that he can see when he looks down is like a floor of clouds, which is really cool. But he does mention that there are some mountains that are like tall enough where he can see these peaks, um, like poking up through the clouds and all that. But like, yeah, he's like, how am I supposed to get down? <laughs> like, I can't tell if there's ground. Like, I don't know what's beneath those clouds. If it's anything like earth, those clouds are way high up in the sky. So if anything, I would just fall through the clouds and then I would still have like miles to go <laughs> until the ground. I can't really just jump or even teleport because I can't see through the clouds. So he just kind of is sitting up on this squid thing, trying to figure out what, where he's going to go and what he's going to do when uh, Lockheed is kind of still angry that he's the only one that's trapped by this giant squid creature. So he, he chomps down on the tentacle, uh, which releases him and he gets all mad that he was being held captive. And he just like breathes fire right in the squid's face, which makes the squid just like shoot away in like a cloud of ink, just like shoots away and the force of it is so strong that like it knocks Nightcrawler off. So now Nightcrawler's in this free fall. He's falling out of the sky into nowhere as the squid is just like hightailing it away. Lockheed grabs onto Nightcrawler as best he can to kind of fly. But, you know, Nightcrawler weighs like three or four times what Lockheed weighs. And so Lockheed's like, you know, trying like the Dickens here, flapping his wings, trying to keep him aloft. And they're just like slowly sinking down out of the sky. But as they are sinking, they see this giant like flying sailboat flying up to them. It's, it's, it's a bit away in the distance, but it's close enough that Nightcrawler can, can get there in like a few teleports, if not just one teleport. So he does. He he teleports them directly onto like the middle of the sky, right above the deck of this ship. And uh yeah, he it says he materializes above the deck of the strange sky ship and immediately is noticed by all these weird like pirate creatures. Um obviously the force of him falling through the sky is enough that even though he teleports above the deck, he actually falls through the first layer of the deck. Like he crashes through the wood and everything because of the momentum that he had. You know, one thing with Nightcrawler is that like when he teleports, he kind of, he, uh, well, he maintains what any momentum that he had because the, the dimension that he teleports through, there's no resistance or anything to slow him down. So if he's falling, uh, at a particular rate of speed that whenever he teleports and he gets out of his teleport, he's still moving at that rate of speed. So they were falling pretty quickly. Uh, so even though he teleported like right above the deck, he ends up, he's got enough momentum and force where he just crashes right, right through the deck, which alerts like all the people. I mean, they all, they all kind of see him when he first arrives in the sky you know, there's in the background, they're all pointing and there's pirates looking up at him and everything. Um, and then when he, he finally crawls up through the deck, 
And they're like, oh no, we're under attack and all that. Um, and as soon as he climbs out from the hole that he had fallen through, um, immediately the pirates are like, oh no, it's the boggy and his frumious bandersnitch, uh, which, you know, is a, is a reference to some other stuff. <laughs> um, either way, Nightcrawler's like, I don't know what, what a boggy is, but I'm, I'm not whatever it is. Like, I just do, I, I'm, I'm just here to request permission to come aboard. Like I just, I, I need some solid something under, under my feet. Uh, and of course the pirates are like, oh no, 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 it's a boggy and his, and his room is Bandersnitch. We have to kill it. So they're all like, they all draw their swords and they're like jumping, trying to tackle Nightcrawler and everything. Um, of course he just teleports up and he's like, we get a couple of panels of him like teleporting through this crowd of, of pirates. And like I said, they're all like, they're all orange and they've got, you know, pointy ears and everything. They look kind of like Nightcrawler if Nightcrawler had orange skin, um, that's it, it almost makes me think of oh man what was that show called it was a cartoon in the 90s i think it was called like the pirates of dark water maybe um or the pirates of black water I, I i used to watch that show all the time but like i didn't love it i, I watched it because it was pirates and i i've always loved pirates or at least the concept of pirates um i weirdly enough for as much as i like fictional pirates i i don't really read a whole lot about like the true history of piracy in the, in, you know, the Caribbean and all that. Um, I know some of the real life pirates like Edward Deitch, AKA Blackbeard, like Anne Bonnie, Calico Jack. Like I know a, a handful of names, uh, but yeah, I've never really like gone and read like any kind of real pirate history or anything like that, uh, but I've always loved pirates. And so I would watch that pirates of, I, w- I want to say it's pirates of dark water, but I'm probably wrong anyway like i would watch that show and like i if i remember correctly like one or two of the pirate people in that series also had like the had like bright orange skin because they weren't like human pirates they were like not not really alien pirates they just kind of lived in their own in their own little world where there were orange people Uh, and so that's what this makes me think of like it gives me flashbacks of that show even though i didn't really watch it a whole lot. I would just like, if, if I was flipping through channels and it was on, I'd be like, Oh cool. I'll watch. Uh, but yeah, I'm just, I'm getting like flashbacks of, of that series right now, looking at all these pirates. Uh, but so nightcrawler like teleports through the, the crowd of pirates that are on the deck of the ship, like trying desperately to kill him. And he's like, all right, I, I should probably go for the high ground. obi one style. I'm going to teleport up here. And he does like, he teleports up to the, the high deck. I get, the poop deck maybe i don't know uh so he teleports up there and he comes face to face with with the captain the captain of this pirate ship long john mcgurk and he tells nightcrawler he's like listen here boggy uh you're on my ship and uh i think i'll uh, i think i'll kill you you know because like i'm a i'm a big evil pirate what else am i gonna do and nightcrawler <laughs> poor nightcrawler he's like let's first you know first things first i am not a boggy he yells into this guy's face and he's like i don't even know what a boggy is what the heck he's like i just i somehow i was in the middle of the sky and i was falling and so i saw your ship and i teleported here i just need like i just need some help i just need a place to be like that's it and the pirate captain is like oh okay all right sweet you're not a boggy so you say and uh you want to be on the ship? Fine. I suppose we can make you one of the crew instead. <laughs> uh, he tells him that the ship uh, is called the Thai Javani, Javane, I'm probably whatever. Uh, and he's like, you know, I'm, this is, I'm the captain. I'm captain long John McGurk. This is my ship. This is my terrible crew. So, you know, if you want to join, then yeah, join up. Might as well. Welcome to the crew, Boggy. Of course, Kurt, the uh, you know swashbuckler at heart that he is, he actually takes right to it, um, like a like what is it like a duck to water. Uh, he is completely in his element as a sky pirate, and <laughs> uh, we immediately cut to uh, a quick scene of of Kitty and Ilyana again back at the X Mansion in the control room, trying to figure out like how to get Kurt back. Uh, and the narration clues us into the fact that, you know, in different dimensions, time flows differently. So even though Kurt has been on the pirate ship for like a whole week, um, it's only been 
like a few moments for for Kitty and Ileana. Like in the amount of time it's taken them to get back up from like the danger room into the control room and like turn the computer back on. It's been like a week for Nightcrawler in this other dimension in, you know, the, the dimension of sky piracy. So he's taught the pirate crew how to play poker, which of course he knows how to play. He's an old pro at poker. So he's like constantly beating them. He's taken all their money. And, uh, at one point they almost like, they almost all get into a fight, like typical pirates, you know, even though they're on the crew and they're supposed to be a team, they all just hate each other. Cause they're all just full of piss and vinegar. Just these big mean pirate guys. Uh, <laughs> and they're like, all right, like we're, we're about to fight because you've, you've beat us like every single hand we've played and you've taken all of our money. Like, this is not cool. It is like, it's time to throw down because you know, we're pirates. If, if you win our money fair and square, we'll just fight you and take it back because we don't, you know, we don't really care about fair and square. Uh, But luckily for Nightcrawler, I guess, or maybe probably more lucky for those pirates, (laughs) the lookout up in the, uh, Oh gosh, what is it called? The, bird's nest um he spies a a ship not too far away and he's like hey guess what there's a ship over here that we can do some pirate stuff too and like not only is it a ship it has like the royal colors it appears to be the royal barge of bellamy honora now i don't know if that's a person or a place or a thing uh it's definitely a noun but either way so the pirates they all like rush to their stations or, or whatever it is. Yeah. All hands to battle stations. They all get there. They're like loading up the cannons and everything. Uh, Cause we do have laser cannons. Cause this is sci-fi fantasy. It's, it's like fantasy, but it's also sci-fi, right? So we got like flying pirates and stuff like that. Really cool stuff. But like they, they shoot lasers and everything. Like they use swords and like flintlock pistols and things, but like they've got, laser cannons because you know it looks cool so they they load up all their laser cannons they get everything squared away they uh they line up with this this royal barge and again captain long john mcgurk calls out to him like hey you know royal royal barge like show up your colors and like surrender to us or like we'll unleash the guns Uh, and they they make their call. And so the Royal barge, uh, loads up their gun. They shoot one across the bow, which pretty much means like, nah, we'd rather fight you filthy pirates than, uh, than surrender to you. Uh, and so the captain McGurk's like, all right, man, like unleash, unleash it on them. Uh, so they all start like just blasting away at the broad side of the Royal barge with the guns. And like Kurt, the good guy that he is, is like, whoa, hey, like I love pirate adventures, but like I don't want to actually be like an evil pirate. Uh, so he teleports over to one of the guns on on his ship. And well, I guess first he he goes up and he tells the captain, like, Cap, like Long John, like you got to stop. Like we can't just destroy this ship and take what we want. Like that's not right. Like I know that we're pirates, but you know, we're like, we're nice pirates. Come on. Like we're friendly pirates. We'll sing some songs and we'll, we'll dance around and whatever. We'll find buried treasure. We're not going to like loot a ship and all that. That's not what we're going to do. And, and the captain's like, uh, that's exactly what we're going to do. Like we're pirates, dude. So either get out of my way or I'll stab you with my friggin' rapier. And like, that's that. So Nightcrawler decides, all right, well, if I can't get through to him with, uh, with reason and logic, then I'll just teleport over to the dude who's at the gun and I'll toss him overboard, I guess. Uh, and I'll aim the gun at, like right at the mast. And so he does, he like, he turns around, he aims the gun at the main mast of, of the Ty Javany, you know, the, the pirate ship. And he lets loose with a blast and he's like, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to stop shooting the Royal barge, or I'm going to shoot like the next one I shoot. I'm just going to shoot it through the whole of the ship. And you pirates are going to, fall out of the sky and they're like, all right, all right, you win, you know, you win. We'll stop. We'll stop. And he's like, all right, that's what I thought. Of course he realizes that he's made himself an enemy of the pirates now. Uh, so he's like, all right, well, that was a fun week, I guess, you know, and I'm rich cause I stole all the money from the pirates by cheating them at poker. Uh, so 
he grabs Lockheed and the two of them teleport over to the bridge of the other ship. And like the same kind of hilarity ensues there that, that did on the first time he teleports onto the ship. Everyone immediately notices them. They all start yelling, you know, boggy frumious bandersnitch. They're all pointing at him and everything like get him. And, and of course, Nightcrawler has to, has to go through the same thing. Like, no, 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 I'm, I'm not a boggy. I don't even know what the heck that is. Please don't call me that. Um, I'm just, I just need like a ride home or, take me to port, you know, just let me stow away on your ship. I'm, I'm a castaway. Uh, just let me chill here until you get into port. Like you won't even notice me. I'll just like, I'll, I'll chill in the corner. Just l- let me hitch a ride back to, you know, wherever it is that you're going. And they're like, all right, fine. Well, like the good news for you is like, we're only a few hours away from where we're trying to get to. And of course now with us having been under attack, like we're going to kind of make all speed <laughs> in that direction. So like in a couple hours, we can drop you off uh, wherever it is that, that you want to go. Of course, as they're having this conversation, they're interrupted by this, you know, sing song voice from off panel, like, oh, captain. And so Nightcrawler and uh, Lockheed, like they hear this voice and they're like, huh? But probably because it's the first time they've heard a female voice in like, you know, a week because they've been on this ship with these smelly pirates and they're, huh? Um, and like, <laughs> Lockheed sees whoever it is off panel that is, you know, calling for the captain and Lockheed's like, Ooh, and Nightcrawler's like, you said it. Um, and the page turns and we see this like, like beautiful orange skin, like princess looking young woman. Um, I don't, I'm not really sure how old Nightcrawler is supposed to be. I honestly don't know. Like, I know that he's a, He's a very charming, he's very charming with the ladies and all that. You know, he's very sweet to Storm and Jean and all that in the, in the 10 years or so. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. Like, is he like, I know that Colossus is supposed to be like 19, give or take. Like when they all, in in giant size number one, like when they all join the team, Colossus is the, the youngest of all the new recruits at like 19, but like, and obviously Wolverine's pretty old having been born in like the 1880s, uh, 1890s, you know, whatever, give or take. Uh, but I don't really know how old Nightcrawler is supposed to be, um, or storm. I, I would, I would guess early twenties. Um, and I'm not sure how old this character is supposed to be, but either way, Nightcrawler sees her and he's, you know, in lo- you know, the, the cartoon where the heart beats out of the chest and all that. And the, the jaw opens and the tongue rolls out and all this. Um, obviously Cockrum didn't draw that stuff. I'm just like, that's where, that's where Kurt was, you know, when he, when he see, beholds this beauty. Um, and, and she's talking to the captain. She's like, Oh, I, you know, I, I see that the, the fighting, the violence, you know, that the danger seems to have passed. So, um, like how, how long until we get to Bellamy Honora? So I guess at this point we can determine that that's a place. Um, and they mentioned that she is the, uh, they call her Jinjav Sabri. Um, and in Kurt's mind, he's like, Oh, Jinjav, that's like a princess. And I'm sure that I'm saying that word wrong too. Um, either way, like Nightcrawler runs over and he, he bows very low to her and he's putting on his charm and he's introducing her. He says, ah, beautiful princess. Allow me to introduce myself. My name is Kurt Wagner and all that. And, and this woman who has never seen a blue guy before, I guess, or this dude on her ship at all is like completely shocked. Like, ah, um, and like immediately all these uh, purple clad, like orange centurion kind of Royal guard guys, they all run over and they're like, get out of here. Outlander, like back off. You are not allowed. You are not allowed to even approach the Jinjav, let alone talk to her. Like, this is not cool. Like we'll throw you overboard. And and so Nightcrawler's like, all right, all right, I get it. I get it. I'll, 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 I'll just, I'll go over there and I'll just sit and I'll wait. And I, I appreciate the ride. <laughs> And then, yeah, like, you know, nothing happens until they get to uh, the floating city of Bel Ami Anora. It says, and so a few hours later, here we are. We see the the royal ship, which is, uh, you know, a, a bit of the worse for wear, is is flying into this this floating city. And it's kind of hard to describe. 
because it doesn't really look like a like a castle in the sky. It's not really on like floating chunk of earth or anything like that. It's like the underside of this floating mass appears to be like it's like these green like bubbly things with like long stuff kind of hanging off. Like it almost looks like a bunch of those uh, squids had all just like banded together and let them build the city on top of it. Uh, I don't think that's what it is, but that's like the closest thing I can think of to describe it. It's just like these green, like floating blob things. And then above there, there's like a one giant, like flat area. That's like the land. And then everything is built up above like that plane. Uh, everything's all, it's all rounded and, um, it's all there's like all these orbs and stuff like all the buildings are like these orb looking things and everything it's all shiny and stuff it's pretty cool uh and nightcrawler season he's like you know holy moly like what kind of a, of a of a wonderful civilization must live here he's like this is like a fairy tale um and then they they pull into port and uh nightcrawler tries desperately one last time to uh to thank the the jinjav uh sabri i think um, he, he sees her as she's like disembarking from the ship because the ship's pulled into port and he teleports down right in front of her. And he's like, look, I just I wanted to apologize. Like, I'm not a boggy. I'm just a travel. And again, they uh, the, the the purple like Royal Guard guys, they kind of like encircle her and like kind of push Nightcrawler away. Uh, the dude in charge, I guess uh, he's the, like the one, the one that's talking. He tells like two of them, like you guys like take the princess or take the Jinjav and, and get her into the city where she needs to go quickly and all this. Um, and he's like, look, man, we've told you to stay away. And so like, this is your last warning. Here's a sack of gold. We appreciate you, you know, destroy taking out those pirates and all that like please consider this as a payment and then like get lost we don't ever want to see you again because like you seem to think that you're allowed to talk to the jinjav and you are not um and like nightcrawler actually gets offended he's like whoa like i i give my loyalties to people i think have earned it i'm not just like some mercenary who 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 can be bought off or or paid off so he like smacks the bag out of the dude's hand and like teleports away in anger. And of course, like seconds after he teleports away, one of the purple clad Royal guardsmen runs over and he's like, Lord Chamberlain, captain, like the Jinjav is abducted. Like we were taking her from the wharf. And like, as soon as we got off the wharf, we were attacked by a group of hooded men. They overpowered us and they took her and the, the captain of the guard and the, and the Royal Chamberlain are like, Oh crap. Like we got to begin our search right away. So you know that like if nightcrawler would have heard that he'd have been like, I'll rescue her. Cause like I'm nightcrawler, like rescuing hot princesses is kind of my thing. Um, it's what I do best, but he missed it. Like he didn't hear it. He literally teleported away as the dude was running up to tell them that either way, like <laughs> he teleports like right into the middle of town there's like this, like a market street where there's like all these open air markets and stuff, things that you would expect to see in like a pirate town or whatever, or even just like a, an old fairy tale kingdom, right? Like, you know, the, the streets of the, of the castle town, it's all these like open markets where people are selling pottery or jewelry or uh, fresh produce, like apples and things that they've picked. And <laughs> again, the same kind of thing ensues. Like, he lands and immediately people are like, ah, it's a boggy crap run. You know, all this and, and Nightcrawler's like, ah, oh, for crying out loud, like here we go again with this boggy crap. Uh, but one of them is like, oh, it's the boggy and his frumious bandersnitch. And then one of the guys there is like, don't you mean bandersnatch? And then another guy's like, oh no, you know, he, this one's too small. This is clearly a frumious bandersnitch, which I love because it kind of, it harkens back to that whole thing. I'm trying to remember like, was that I think it was Kitty's fairy tale theater, maybe, where we were first introduced to the concept of boggies and frumious bandersnatches? I think uh I can't remember. Um, but yeah, like so that's kind of like it's you know, Cockrum's like hearkening back to that, but of course he's changing it up a little bit because in that one Lockheed was really big, so 
was a bandersnatch. In this case, he's really small, so he's a frumious bandersnitch instead. I just like that he threw that in there. Uh, Nightcrawler yelling, I'm not a boggy, is kind of, you know, that if, if his thing isn't teleporting or swashbuckling or Christianity, it's it's uh, furiously denying his uh, his status as a boggy. <laughs> So he teleports through the town and he's like, oh man, like everyone's running from me and stuff. This sucks. So he teleports up on top of one of the buildings that gives him like a pretty good eagle eye view of like the whole market and everything that's going on. It kind of lets him scope things out and uh, decide what he wants to do next. And he comes to the conclusion like, all right, well, if I go into town amongst all the people, because they're all orange, uh, if I go to if I go there, like they're all just going to think I'm a boggy and they're going to run away and it's, I'm never going to hear the end of it. He's like, so I should probably get um, a disguise. I should probably, you know, go incognito and, and, and move around less, you know, be less conspicuous and whatnot. So he spies this like clothesline um, and he, and he runs down and he grabs like a robe off the clothesline and it's good enough. You know, it's, it's a, it's a big enough robe. It's a hooded robe that it covers his entire body. So no one can really see that he's blue and different. Um, and he's got his hood up and everything. And he's like walking around and he's just kind of thinking like, what can I tell people? Like eventually they're going to see my face. <laughs> and he's like, maybe I could tell people I fell into a rice picker when I was a child. And he's like, Oh no, no, that it didn't work for Spock. It's not going to work for me, <laughs> which I love the, the classic Star Trek reference in here. But as he's like walking through the town, trying to think of something, this like, you know, an, another beautiful young woman comes running out of like a random alley and uh, she's like, help, you know, please, good sir. My brother and I were, were walking home and we were waylaid by brigands and, you know, they, they, they landed poss- you know, a possible fatal blow on my brother. Like, please, you have to come help. And he's like, well, sh- well, yeah, like, hello, like it's a, a damsel in distress. I'm Nightcrawler. Like th- I'm, I'm doing it. So she starts leading him down this alley and he's like, huh, this is a kind of a dark and spooky alley. Like, why were you guys here? She said, we were taking a shortcut. Like we were trying to get home and we knew this was a shortcut. And so we came this way and we were attacked and all that. And she's like, we were attacked just like right around this corner. So Nightcrawler runs around the corner. There's no one there. And he's like, wait a minute, where's your, where's your brother? And then you just hear a voice off panel say like right here, boggy ha ha. And someone like just knocks Nightcrawler on the back of the head with a thud. It knocks him out. And as he's laying knocked out on the ground, we see it was the pirates, the pirates that he double crossed from the Thai Javani earlier in the issue. You have got captain long John McGurk there, a bunch of other pirates and this one pirate chick Meg and it was like, has she was she on the crew the whole time? Because I feel like Nightcrawler would have noticed that and been like, well, hello, <laughs> like, how you doing? To the point where if she would have ran up to him, he would have recognized her. But I guess not. You know, I don't know. Maybe she was a, a splinter cell who was like stationed on uh, Bellamy and Nora. Uh, who knows? I don't know. Either way, he's like, this is great. Like, I promised that Boggy I'd get my revenge. And now I have it. But then Lockheed like comes flying out of, of Nightcrawler's robe. And he's roaring and he's ready to, he's about to breathe some fire. And they're all, all the pirates are like, oh no, it's the Bandersnitch. Ah. And then one of the pirates is like, ah, well, you know, I, I stole this serving tray. <laughs> and he just, you know, bonks Lockheed over the head and knocks him out too. And so the narration tells us like much later and we see Wolverine, uh, <laughs> we see Nightcrawler and Lockheed on the deck of some ship. We're not really quite sure what ship uh but they're starting to come to you know like nightcrawler wakes up and he's clutching his head like oh that sucked um and he 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 looks he can look over the ship and see the sky and he's like oh man like i've been shanghai again i'm not i'm not on that city anymore like i'm on a ship again this sucks and he realizes like wait a minute the ship isn't moving the way it used to and he looks up and he realizes that the ship that he's on now it, it doesn't have any sails or anything. It's like it's tied to one of those giant squid things from earlier in the issue. And it's like it's using this squid thing to uh, to navigate, to like fly around in the sky and all that. 
And it's like this really big, it almost looks more like a Viking ship than like a pirate ship. But like I said, it's like there's no mast, there's no sail. It's like this long flat deck kind of a ship with like a dragon head in the front, which is really cool looking. And then it's like, it's tied very intricately to this squid thing. It's, it looks really cool. And, uh, and Nightcrawler's like, oh my gosh, like some some maniac tied it to this. What is going on? And so he walks up to the deck of the ship. And on the deck, there's like this throne looking thing. And on the throne is like this hooded figure. He's holding this big scepter and everything. And, uh, and Nightcrawler's like, uh, hi. Um, who are you? Where are we going? What's going on? And we hear this voice come from uh this you know this hooded figure begins to speak and he's like you know hissing all of his s's like be silent boggy you have been sold to me by mcgurk the pirate i am your new master so you're thinking all right like weird snake guy and Wolverine, and Nightcrawler, Nightcrawler's like, um, okay, that's interesting. So again, who are you? Like, the, let's let's circle back to my first question then. Um, who are you? So the guy stands up and he's like, all right, cool. You want to see the face of your despair? Fine. And he stands up and he uh, he goes to pull off his mask, which he does, or his hood, I should say, and he does off-panel. Nightcrawler, he doesn't scream in terror, but he's just like, ah. You know, like, I've got two surprises for you. One, I'm not a boggy, and two, you're not my master. So Nightcrawler is, like, running up to attack this guy. And uh, we see this, like, from, again, off panel, there's, like, a hand holding the scepter. And it's, like, blasting Nightcrawler, and it knocks him down. And then we see who it was that was under the robe. And it wasn't, like, a snake guy. It was, like, a shark dude. Um I'm getting like mad street sharks vibes from this guy. He's like an anthropomorphic dude with a shark head. And he's got like a fin on his back. He's got like a fin on the top of his head. He's got a fin on like each of his calf muscles. He's got a fin um, like on his, uh, his forearms. And then he's got like this big long tail that comes to a point, uh, kind of like a, I don't know, like a Mako shark maybe. So yeah, this, this, uh, this weird snake guy and he, he, he knocks Nightcrawler out with his blast or at least like incapacitates Nightcrawler with this blast from his scepter thing. And he's like, at last you understand boggy, like your boggish tricks will not help you against the awesome power of Shagreen, the sorcerer body and soul. You are mine. And the issue ends to be continued. So Nightcrawler has now been sold into a servitude uh, uh, with the, the uh, Shagreen, the sorcerer, who's like a little uh, shark man who's really cool. Yeah, that was uh, that was it. That is issue one of the Nightcrawler miniseries, and it only gets crazier and more fun from here on out. Like, I just I love this series. It's so good. Um, I I tracked all of these issues down like this is I'm not a huge back issues guy. I'm not a big floppy collector, um, but I have some key issues and things, you know, stuff that I'm interested in owning and and displaying and that sort of thing. And of course uh, the four issue nightcrawler miniseries is, is at the top of my list. Like it's up there with Wolverine volume one, those four issues. Uh, Like it's just, it's super, super fun to have and own. Like the covers are all fantastic. Like I find this series to be so influential like even more influential probably than I realized uh, as a wannabe comic writer myself, I have a, uh, a pirate comic that I've, I'm working on uh, that takes place with like it's sky pirates. And uh, like, I've, I read this a long time ago, a couple of times. And uh, I definitely think there's a lot of influence, <laughs> a lot of influence um, from this series in in some of the aesthetic stuff that i've i've come up with for for my own story so yeah i just i love this story it's like it's it's nightcrawler completely in his element um the swashbuckling kind of pirate stuff but also very different and very weird it's not just like you know your typical pirates of the sea human pirates and all that it's it's 
there's there's magic and fairy tale aspects there's you know they're flying in the sky and stuff it's a it's a world with completely different rules but all of the aesthetics of the pirate stories that you would love which fits perfectly with nightcrawler and all the weird stories that he got into um, you know, his 10 years, 15 years or so that he was a member of the X-Men were, were really great. And Nightcrawler was, was fantastic, but like, he didn't really come into his own until he was like one of the leaders of Excalibur. And of course, Excalibur under the, the, the original Claremont Davis run was so off the wall. This just fits perfectly in line with that Nightcrawler and and everything that uh, that had gone on, and it's so great to see like Dave Cockrum drawing Nightcrawler again, and yeah, I just I love this series. I'm super happy that I'm I'm covering these four issues, and here you have it. This is uh, this is issue one. So, oh man, I don't know what else to say. Um, there's lost princesses, shark sorcerers sky pirates i think eventually later on there's like a shark dragon i mean i don't know there's so many cool things in this in this series so bub there you have it that is Talking Bamf, The Nightcrawler Show, Episode 1. Uh, if you like the show and want to keep the conversation going, uh, you can always reach out to me via email, talksnicked at gmail.com. Uh, the, the email is up and running, so uh, if you want to reach out with feedback or episode requests, whatever, uh, you know, berate me for not having done an episode in like five, six months, whatever you want to do. Um, you can send me an email, talksnicked at gmail.com. But if you want to actually join a conversation, actually join like-minded folks who are big fans of Talking Snick, big fans of Wolverine, big fans of X-Men, uh, then click the link in the show notes for the Talking Snick Discord. It's a lot of fun. There's like 15 of us in there right now, so not a whole lot. It's not pretty big, so it's not going to take up a whole lot of your time. But it's another place to come talk X-Men share your love of these characters, say nice things about my show, say bad things about my show. Like I'm not going to hold it against you. Uh, share pictures of your collections or whatever. Um, if it, if that sounds enticing to you at all, then, uh, then click the link in the show notes and join the talk and snick discord. Like I said, it's a lot of fun. So, Bub, yeah, there you go. Don't have a whole lot of announcements. Um, like I mentioned earlier on in this episode, though, um, this week and the next three weeks thereafter, I will be covering the four issues of the Nightcrawler limited series by Dave Cockrum. So if you liked this episode, make sure you tune in next week for uh, issue two. I am still working on the uh, the review of uh, Wastelanders Wolverine, the, the most recent uh, Wolverine-related scripted podcast from marvel i I definitely want to talk about that because it was an excellent show Uh, and of course uh you're probably all wondering like where the heck was the where where is this last omega red episode Uh, so that one that one's coming so just just watch for all that uh hopefully this uh this talking bamf works well and and uh we'll see where it all goes from there auf wiedersehen mein freund